All right, everyone, welcome back to episode two. We're back. We're back at the Tennessee Wildcast, our podcast show. Don't know that we need to say that all the time. If you're here, you probably know what a podcast is. A lot of folks do now, but it's the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency's podcast. It's Tennessee Wildcast. In here with me is Jason Harmon. Jason, always helping out. Hello, Jason. How's it going, Doug? I'm glad to be back. Show two. Good to see you. Don King's right here behind us doing a whole lot of stuff like he always does. And, of course, right over here, we have the director of this agency back, Director Ed Carter. Director, thank you for coming back. Hey, my pleasure. That make you feel like old times wearing that uniform? and It made it really easy to pick out a wardrobe every morning. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of the ties. <laughs> yeah, everything was either green pants and a khaki shirt, or that was it. <laughs> <laughs> have uniforms come a long way at the agency? Oh, my gosh. I, we were just talking the other day that we had a detail one night on a, a spotlighting detail, and the f- fellow that was a supervisor at the time said, I've got raincoats for everybody. And we went, really, raincoats? And he pulled out a, a roll of green garbage bags. He said, just poke a hole in each corner and a little place for your head, and it'll work just great. <laughs> so, yeah, things have come a long way. They, they have indeed. Uh, one thing I meant to ask you last, a couple things. Um, Director Carter was on here the last week, and you can go watch it right now because we don't take them down. They're right out there for you to see. Uh, see or watch. This is an audio podcast. On right? TWRA.TV or <clears throat> iTunes on TWRA. our website. Got to talk about TWRA.TV. That would be a whole subject at some point. But iTunes or if you want to see all that, go to TNWildlife.org and scroll down and you'll see us all. But one thing that uh, I meant to ask you last week, I wanted to recap too. 1969 is the date, mandatory date for hunter education. And I wanted to, I didn't ask this last week, what does a director do? What, what is your responsibility as a head of this organization that I think has 700 plus people in it? We have about 720 <clears throat> full-time folks. And well, I'll take that, 720 counting some part-time folks. But I guess the director's role primarily is one of coordination. I mean, we have so many good people that head up each of our divisions and, and support staff that I really just try to make sure that we coordinate with those kind of the interact with the, with the legislature and our commission and, and you know for two rulemaking lawmaking bodies and and try to ride herd on a budget which seems to take more and more time that's a good question what the sportsmen of tennessee pay most of what we do here at twa all those management areas and hatcheries and and the different things we do the wildlife officers the biologists they're paid for by sportsmen of tennessee what kind of budget does the twa have right now we have about 100 million a year that we budget for, we actually spend somewhere in the neighborhood of about $80 million. And as you said, the, the support for that comes from two areas, one being the sale of hunting, fishing licenses, and boat registrations, and the other being the federal revenue. But even that is based on sporting arms and ammunition and those kind of things. Are we talking about uh, Pittman-Robertson, Wallop Bro, that kind of stuff in that case? Yes, it's money that comes back through the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And it's, it's not on a grant. We have to spend the money, and then they reimburse us up to 75%. Okay, so all that comes out to about $100 million. It may not be fair. When you started Director Carter in 1972, do you remember what the budget was for TWRA? I, I don't. Okay. I, I was pretty far removed from that side <laughs> of things. Then. I guess you were. You were taking animals around letting folks look at them, right? Exactly. All right. What was your position when you came in? What did you start as? What were you called? At that time, it was called inf- uh, Information Representative. And it went on to education representative, which just kind of changed. And I, I remember when I came to work, it was, it was we were paid five hundred and thirty dollars a month. And he said, if you do a really, really good job, you'll get a bump. So a year later, I went to five thirty-five <laughs> to five seventy. So I was <laughs> felt pretty good about that. I did, but 
But yeah, and then I went from that into our hunter education and then the law enforcement division and out of that into our region two office where I was assistant manager there for a few years and then into the boating division and then here. All right. That's where I met you. And for those coming in, at, um, when I started, I started with the agency in the late 1980s and Director Carter was then the assistant manager of, of uh, the region two and was on the, was on the panel that that uh, that hired me so i appreciate that i've been here a long time thanks to you or, or maybe not thanks to you for some people but i appreciate you very much so i'm responsible for that is you that what are. you're telling me uh, you okay. are uh to some degree uh, what uh you have you've seen so much uh through the years director carter and we asked last week we got you to talk last week about the changes you had seen but what about the changes ahead what do you what do you think the holds the future holds for twra you know, that's a, that's a really wide-ranging question and because it has so many tentacles about it. We're a fairly large landowner in the state, actually one of the largest, that we manage acres of land for, for wildlife, uh, some of it hunting, some of it's refuge, on and on. But there's a, a great push to utilize that land for other types of recreation, hiking, camping, uh, off-highway vehicles, and on and on. And some of that's compatible with wildlife management and some isn't. And trying to work through that, uh, sometimes it gets a little contentious because folks think we're just trying to shut down our areas and keep other people off. But at the same time, as we just mentioned, the hunters, fishermen, boulders have paid for those areas. And we want to make sure that we utilize them in concert with what they expected when they paid that money there. But wherever we can, our, we're going to utilize those lands to accommodate other forms of recreation that's even in our strategic plan that we just finished and in that respect is, is one of the changes that we've looked at for years and years as we were going into wildlife restoration we were using species management plans and now we're pretty much based on habitat plans we'll still do species but we've gone to habitat so managing that that property and utilizing it for the, the greater good of everybody that's concerned is going to be i think it's going to be a challenge but we're also looking at such changes in demographics. Uh, we just saw the national uh, release about three or four months ago that says in Tennessee we are the number one state in the nation that will have the most Spanish influence in the next 25 years. So that's a cultural shift and in, in uh, trying to make sure that we integrate everybody into our programs and, and to do it effectively to make sure that we get the greatest use. We are a business. We are an, an we are a nonprofit organization, but we are a business. And, uh, of course, this is early March, and, and uh, license sales, you should have your license now if you're getting on the water, getting ready to turkey hunt in a few weeks, you need to have it. But those dollars are important to us. And so going forward, will it always be the sportsman, as you said, that will be taking care of us, or will there be other means one day that might take some pressure off of the hunters and fishermen in Tennessee and across the country? We, we're At some point, uh, that's a national discussion. I sit on two or three different committees and it, nationally, and, and that's the things that they're looking at. It's a dilemma that most wildlife agencies that depend only on hunting and fishing revenue and boat registrations to fund their programs. So at some point, there'll have to be some augmentation of funding. And we we went a little bit that way with, you know, this last go-round, uh, there's now a fee that people would pay if they're, if they're horseback riding or or using an ATV or other things on, on TWRA property to, so that they help fund those areas just like hunters and fishermen do. Okay. Public lands are so important, um, especially as private property gets bought up across the, the state or the country and, and some of it gets closed down or some of it disappears for other reasons, whether it be development or something else. 
but our WMAs will always be important, just as public lakes, the large lakes we have in Tennessee are important to access. How many, how many public lands do we have in Tennessee, or maybe I should say how many acres or percentage of lands does TWA own or operate? We actually manage about a million and a half acres, million five hundred thousand acres. It's a lot of acres. It is, and it's not all of it's owned. Some of it is we we are under contract or lease, like Corps of Engineers, Tennessee Valley Authority, some of their property that we utilize for WMAs or refuges. But all in all, in Tennessee, only ten percent of the land is in public ownership. Ninety percent of the land is privately owned in Tennessee. So. It's it's a it's a challenge to push those two together. Sounds like this guy be a lot different talking to directors that live out at, out west uh, over because so much of their property out there is public land. It is, and it, it it's a challenge both ways uh, because there are so many federal agencies at that point. There sometimes mm. a conflict on on the best way to manage that land between state species where the federal government has no jurisdiction even on their own land. Wow. To uh, so it, it gets complicated and. Even on some of the waterways where you have three or four different people setting regulations on people who are floating through an area. So it's, it gets difficult. Wow. Uh, you, you're, you are a national traveler, sometimes a world traveler, but you're a national traveler. Where does TWA and Tennessee, where does Tennessee more so than the agency, where does Tennessee as a state where you can hunt and fish in your mind stack up against other states across the country? Well, I know I'm biased when I say this, but I, I think we're in the very top states and the there, there are those people who would point out there may be larger deer in other parts of the air, but, but in terms of number of deer or number of species that a person can take or pursue and whatever, Tennessee has got to rank way up there. Biologically, in biodiversity, Tennessee is said to be the number one state, inland state, with the greatest biodiversity. We have the Duck River, which is one of the three most biodiverse rivers in the entire world. We have the the oldest river, <laughs> one of the oldest rivers in the world is the French Broad. And so, anyway, it's you put all those together of the last 400 and something species that were put up for possible listing on endangered species. Uh, 74 of those were in Tennessee. Wow. Okay. And and correct me if I'm wrong. French Broad does that help form the Tennessee River? Is it up in that or in that watershed? The, yeah, the French Broad and the Holston come together right around Knoxville to form the Tennessee. Okay, Tennessee is a great fishing river. These big rivers are big. A lot of folks don't understand how good these rivers are to fish too, along with the biodiversity that you're talking about. It is, but from a pure sporting side, uh, absolutely, Tennessee ranks way up there. As you well know, the the Chickamauga fishery right now is, is nationally hot. Uh, we have so so many different species. We have the world record walleye. We have the world record smallmouth. We have any number of species we can point out and say, yep, we're doing pretty good. We are. If you ever visit the headquarters here at TWRA, which is in Nashville, or you ever see Jason out with a trailer celebrating the 65th anniversary, it's got some of the replicas of some of those big fish in there. And, and you help me give a little plug for next week to Director Carter because we're going to have Assistant Director Bobby Wilson on, and we're going to be talking about that state record fish that Gabe King caught a little over a year ago. We're going to be discussing it in Chickamauga and Florida largemouth bass. So you anglers might want to tune in to hear what's going on with that. We're also going to be talking about those Asian carp, which I know you love having here, right? <laughs> there are a number of invasive species that I would like to see go back wherever they came from. And yeah. Asian carp is one of them. One of them, yes, sir. And, and we'll show you why next week. We're going to actually show some uh, uh, some video on that screen right here that shows you what those fish look like. And so tune in and, and watch that. You know, uh, the other day, Director, I saw you out there with a delegation from China. What were you doing with them? It had something to do with Asian carp. We have a, 
a number of Chinese delegations that will come to visit, partially from from wildlife, which they're just now getting into. It's a totally different scenario in China. It's a foreign concept, no pun intended, for them to look at how wildlife is managed in a public trust. That's not part of their culture. And then they also, of course, are looking at Asian carp because it's a highly sought-after fish in Asia, and they're just about fished out there. So they're looking for a way to take the invasive species and get it back to China. Uh, The probability of that happening anytime soon, you think it will happen, and will it it help us? I'm 99% sure it will happen within the year uh, that that some of that fishing will start to go back. And what what our goal is, and I'm sure Bobby will talk more about this with you, is that we want to reduce the numbers back to as low a level as we can. Okay, so that's the goal, and and and, uh, and I will get in more with him, but we're mainly talking about the Mississippi and the bigger, larger, the river systems. Well, they're in the Tennessee River system as well, and partially up into parts of the Cumberland. So, you know, they're, they're everywhere. There's a lock. They're going through it. Okay. All right. Well, tune in for that again. Bobby uh, Wilson would be on their assistant director, and Bobby was the chief of fisheries for several years, and the assistant chief before that. So he'll have a lot of good information for us. This is the time of year, again, where licenses are need to be renewed. Sportsmen are important to us in that way. And they also have as, as a, they also have a big place in input with us. We always are looking for them to let us know about hunting and fishing um, ideas and listen to them often. We do, and, and we, we try as best we can to, to make that avenue easy. And we really like the, the written comments that come in because that way we have time to analyze them, put them before the commission. And every commission meeting, of course, is wide open for a person to come in and give their views before the commission and what they would like. The season-setting process is underway, mm-hmm. and we'll finish that up uh, in in May. We'll finally set the seasons for the next year. So prior to that, we'll take all the public comments we can have. We'll show those to the commission and say this is what people are talking about. We'll mesh that with, with, the, with the science that goes into wildlife management to make sure that it's not – biologically going to hurt the species or anything else and so yeah it's a it's a long process but we really welcome public input well this show will be bringing in biologists from all across the state and all in the headquarters too that that uh, manage many different species whether it's game or non-game of course we'll be getting in a lot of the turkey season starting a few weeks we'll be talking about that but we'll be getting into deer more often too uh, maybe getting the chief of wildlife down here and uh, mark goodland and talking about that but question do you want it why I got you sitting here, what's going to happen with the deer in the future? Do you see that changing a lot in terms of how many deer hunters are going to be able to harvest? Or you think it'll stay the same? Or will that just be ultimately up to the sportsman and what the commission thinks? Well, it's it's a balancing act of what – there's two different kinds of carrying capacity, that being what the land can actually carry, and there's also the social side of what people will allow. We have a number of communities now across the state who have really no place – that would welcome hunting mm-hmm. because it's, it's primarily subdivisions or very small tracts of land, and but yet the deer move in and they need to have deer removed. So we'll have that to struggle with, and we'll have what the, the land can actually support with the amount of acreage that we lose every day for whatever reason, either for development or, or some other multiple-use area. But, yeah, that's that's a question that we're going to have to look at very, very in-depth we we added up the other day, and depending on what unit you're in, but it, it's possible for a person in Tennessee, if they could physically do it, to take about 300 deer in a season. And that's certainly well outside of what anybody's going to do, but it's a way of managing populations. 
And and is it always a concern that you're going to run out of hunters one day, or the enthusiasm might get down, might get low on you if you keep throwing out more seasons? Is that always a concern? Is that part of the social concern? It's part of the concern in terms of of maybe heritage mm-hmm. or legacy, in that a lot of people who hunt and fish and have all their life for whatever reason are competing interests now for their time seems like greater than ever before. And also, just having a place to go, which goes back again to why we have so many management areas and what we try to utilize those for, because that's usually in the surveys is what people say, I just need a place to go. So that's what we're trying to do. Always a concern. Do you see that concern on the fishing side at all? We're always worried about getting land access to to hunters, but what about the public access for anglers? Are we in good shape there? Uh, well, all the major reservoirs, of course, that's not a problem is access. But, but on the, the smaller river systems, uh, it is a problem because you have to cross private land to get there uh, or make a long float to get through some of those places. In Tennessee, some areas, it's difficult to know whether you can float through it or not. So the smaller streams and rivers, we work individually to, to buy access points for people to get in. But, but that's if there's a conflict, it's not going to come necessarily from access, but from multiple use. That being like on our Caney Fork River, where we have a world-class trout fishery, but we also have a lot of people who just like to float through the area, and sometimes those two uses aren't necessarily compatible on the same day. Gosh, it does make a few people mad. <laughs> <laughs> on, on both sides. <laughs> on both sides. You're correct about that. And you came from the came from a lot of different areas, Director Carter, but you were the chief of boating for how long? 20 years. 20 years, and had, helped set up the mandatory education for boating. What have you seen change in boating, and what I'm getting at here as far as the boats go? Are the recreation, are those small boats now the number one boat in Tennessee? Well, kayaks right now, kayaks and somewhat canoes, but primarily kayaks, are the fastest-growing side of the boating industry. And it, is, if you've seen the commercials or been in any of the you know, the, the Bass Pros, Academy Sports, the, the Dicks, all those people that have a wide a variety of material and, and services, you'll see that kayaks are morphed not just for paddlers anymore, but there's all kind of fishing varieties of kayaks. So as, as that becomes more and more prevalent, uh, that right now those those folks don't pay anything into the system, but they still require a lot of of access and they require a lot of time from our office. Going to change down the road? You see that changing? You know, at some point, I, I think if people want more access, there'll have to be a way to pay for that. So I don't, where that will go, I don't know if that would be something under a recreational program that the state would pay or where I, I just don't know yet, but at some point it has to be addressed. And I've had people come up to me and I know this is, this is hard to do, but will it ever be done? They came up, why can't you let kayakers or canoers be on the river one day and this person on the river the other day and this person on the lake, will there, anything like that ever be? Some states do that, but it's very difficult because they are, they are in some cases, national highways. All right. So. All right. Well, and, I think you believe in access for all? I do. All right. That's a good way to be, I think, too, Director, even though it makes me mad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> what is your handle if they want to see you on Twitter? Oh, please do. TWA Director? Uh, I'm still TWA learning, Director. but yes. Come out. Twitters. Come see Ed Carter, Director Carter's Twitter. Jason, great job today. Director Carter, thank you. Come back soon, okay? Thanks, Doug. And Jason, great job today. Thank you. And Don King, thank, thank you for your work. Don's over here behind us. Come back, tell your friends about us. It's Tennessee Wildcast, tnwildlife.org. Scroll down. You'll find it real easy along with our Facebooks, our tag board, all kinds of stuff. We'll see you every week, but we'll be back with a new show next week with Bobby Wilson.